Hey everyone, my name's Jodie. The second reading is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 34. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Thank you to the Schroders for reading for us today. Happy Easter, everyone. It's great to see you here. It's great to celebrate Easter with you. And it's great to be thinking about the resurrection with you today. Uh, let me pray for us. Uh, be good if you uh, have something in front of you, a text of the Bible that we're looking at, because I'll refer it to, to it a bit today. So I'll have that with you. Have your Bible open if you've got your Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we can come together as people who know of the resurrection of Jesus. We pray that we'll be people that are so encouraged by hearing again of the risen Jesus that we might live and act and give all that we are for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. We pray today that we might be encouraged once more about our future hope, our eternal life. And we pray for your help in this as we think through it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Mark was right before when he said this time last year was different. Gee, it was different, wasn't it? The doors were locked here, I presume. I, I wasn't here. 
this time last year, but, but my church where I was, the doors were locked, all, all the buildings all around the place. I even filmed my Easter Sunday sermon in a room with one other person. So weird. Happy Easter, I said to the cameraman who had a mask on at the time. It's a wonderful day that day. <laughs> it's so much better to be able to sing. And a couple of those songs we've just sung, some of my favourites. Great to be able to sing them with you. Uh, anyway, I remember coming home from filming that last year and I was listening to the radio. Uh, I, I listened to Triple M, I have to admit. Uh, forgive me for that. I like rock music. And there was an advert on the radio as I drove home. And it said this in a man's deep voice. It said, Jesus, he walked on water. He died for our sins, but his greatest miracle is a four-day weekend. Triple M. Uh, that's so that we can listen to rock music, apparently, all uh, weekend or something like that. Uh, I was so excited. I was excited. They were close. They talked about Jesus. They mentioned, yes, he's powerful. Yes, he's, he died for our sins. And then they missed the resurrection. And they forgot about the point of it all. And the greatest miracle is not a four-day weekend. But, but good job for coming close, Triple M. Uh, I remember I complained on Facebook, and I think they might have heard me somehow or other, because I was driving home this week, Wednesday afternoon, five to six on the way home for dinner, uh, and there was this ad. Uh, it said, Easter, it's all about the resurrection. Selection. They were talking about raising up you know, old music and playing it again this weekend. But, but in that pause, I thought, they've got it, yes, Triple M's been converted. No, Triple M did not know the true message of Easter. But, but anyway, we come today because we have Jesus. And we do have the true message of Easter, but we need to remind each other of it. And maybe there's even people here who are hearing it for the first time, whether on site or online. We need to remind each other of it because it is phenomenal. The resurrection makes all the difference. And what I want to do is, from our passage today, point out five ways the resurrection makes all the difference. And so that's what we'll be doing as we work our way through these texts. Uh, so number one, the resurrection is astonishing. The resurrection is astonishing. Now, I shouldn't have to tell you that. I shouldn't have to, but if you've been a Christian for a while, I suspect you get used to it. The resurrection is just what the message is. The resurrection is something you've heard all before. So come back with me to Mark's account that we just had read. The first Easter Sunday, we hear of Mary, Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome. They've gone to the tomb. They've gone to appoint Jesus' body. They knew Jesus was dead. They saw it. They saw a big rock put in the way. They were going back to anoint his body. He's a dead man. And so as they come along, you can imagine the astonishment. Wait a minute, the rock's gone. What's going on there? That's not normal. And then they look in the tomb, there's this guy. Uh, the other accounts talk about him potentially as an angel. There's this young man there in the tomb, and he says, do not be alarmed in verse 6. Ah, alarmed. Of course you're alarmed. The tomb's open, the body's gone, and there's a stranger in there. They're alarmed. And Now, even if they weren't alarmed, at this point it gets worse. Uh, he said to them, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He's been resurrected. What? He's not here. So see the place where they put him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told, he, he told you. So they went out and started running, running from the tomb, 
uh, because trembling and astonishment had overwhelmed them and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. They're astonished. This is astonishing. And rightly so, the dead do not rise. That's just a fact. We've got a saying about it. There's nothing more certain than death and taxes. The guy's dead. We know that that's what happens. How can he be alive? Of course they would have wanted it. We all want our friends when they pass to be alive. We all want our leaders like Jesus to be alive. But this is astonishing. A dead man alive. Now you can tell they don't even really believe it because as they run away and freaking out and all the rest of it, they don't want to tell anyone. <laughs> they keep it to themselves. It's almost like, well, dead people don't come back to life. And so I'm not going to say it, not till I see this guy, not till I know for sure will I actually go around telling people about it. The resurrection is astonishing. It is. If you're not astonished by it, I, I want to encourage you to stop and think, because you should be. <laughs> A dead man came back to life. If this is true, death doesn't win. If this is true, you have a hope beyond this life. If this is true, humanity is meant for something more than your best life now. If this is true, somebody very close to me who raised me up and taught me and said, you've got one crack at life, you only get one chance, make the most of it, they're wrong. The resurrection makes all the difference. And can I say, if you are not a follower of Jesus and you are listening in today, can, by, can I be as bold as to say, if you're not astonished, please take the moment to think about it. To think about it. What we're claiming does sound crazy on one hand. I'm the first to admit that. Because the stats are against it, right? Mortality rates are against it. Nobody comes back from the dead. And we're saying Jesus came back from the dead. So it must change everything. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to hold on to your astonishment the first time you understood what it actually meant. I don't know if you remember understanding the resurrection, understanding the implications of the resurrection, but it means everything. It means we're not the same people we once were. Remember it. The resurrection is astonishment. Triple M, they missed the story. They missed the whole thing, really, didn't they? A four-day weekend, that's not what it's about. Uh, resurrecting old songs, that's not what it's about. It's about life and hope. And we'll get to more of these points as we go along. So my second point for today, the resurrection is true. This comes out of the 1 Corinthians passage. So if you're using my piece of paper, flip over. The resurrection is true. Look at verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, Paul's point here is not immediately obvious if you weren't here for Good Friday. Uh, it's very helpful to work through the whole chapter in one go. But, but what he's saying is people are going around proclaiming this man risen from the dead. Why? We read it on Friday because they saw him, because 500 witnesses saw him, because most of them are still alive and you can go and check with them. You can go and find out from someone who saw Jesus whether this is true or not. Paul wrote it because he knew there's 500 people that could falsify this piece of information all around the Roman Empire. Just go and have a chat. Paul's point is, why would you tell people Jesus is raised 
if it's not true. It's easier to say he didn't really die. It's easier to say they mixed it up. They mixed up who they put on the cross. Whoa, Jesus is alive. Never put him on the cross. It's easier to say many different things, but they proclaimed that Jesus died and was raised. So if you say there's no resurrection of the dead, if you stick with common knowledge and common expectation of life, you're ignoring the truth of a historical fact. Of course, the problem for us is we live 2,000 years later. We didn't get to see Jesus. It'd be wonderful to see the resurrected Jesus with our own eyes. We rely on the testimony of others. Jesus himself said when he was speaking to Thomas, blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's actually our generation. All of us who believe in Jesus without having to see his physical body like doubting Thomas. The whole movement of faith in Jesus would not exist except that Jesus resurrected, was resurrected. And anyone who pushed a message like that would have been found to be a false witness because there were witnesses in verse 15. See, the message of Easter, it's confronting in lots of different ways. Easter Sunday confronts you in a different way to Good Friday. It confronts you about what you think the nature of life is, what hope is, where you're going on Easter Sunday. The message of Easter confronts us and it confounds us. It's not like science. You can't retest Jesus on the cross. It's history. You can't sort of test him and make sure it works. You, you have to see a historical event and respond to it. The historical event. It's worth remembering, actually, that most of the disciples died for this message. They went around telling people about a resurrected man and went to death over it. Not just them, many others in the early church were executed. Horrible deaths. If you ever read some of the stories of the early martyrs, horrible death, made into a candle for entertainment at a party. That's a terrible way to die, dying like that for being a Christian. Being put uh, in a coliseum so people could watch you die in horrible ways because you're a Christian. People didn't die like that for a lie. They died because Jesus is resurrected. The resurrection is true, and it makes all the difference. Uh, the third truth about the resurrection, it is necessary. It is necessary. Look there at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. This is really important to understand. If people have a faith in a Jesus who didn't rise, they're wasting their time. They're deluded. Why is it that they're wasting their time? It's because they're still in their sins. In other words, if Jesus doesn't rise, your sins are not dealt with. Now, that is a problem. <laughs> if your sins are not dealt with before God, because, because sin is rebellion against God. Sin is, I know better than God. Sin is not loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and loving your neighbour as yourself. Sin is who we are. <laughs> We're all sinners. Thought about it like this, we all have a lot of sin to account for. Uh, if we write our sins in a book, I wonder how big your book would be. Remember the old Encyclopedia Britannica? Some of you remember it, some of you remember, what, what's that? <laughs> Filled up a bookshelf, right? That is my book of sin. It's not one volume. There's many volumes. It's, it's just clouding God's vision of who I am. Maybe you've got the Webster's short version. Maybe you've got less, but you've still got a big book. Maybe you've got more. 
the double edition of Britannica, 77 and 78. But if we had the book of sin and God looks at us and he sees that sin, it clouds his vision of us. All he sees is a sinner. And God is righteous and just, and he must hold us to account for our sin. If we don't have a saviour who rose again, we are stuck facing God in our sin. What a horrible thought. Thank God that Jesus died for our sins. And if you picture my picture of books above my head, Jesus takes all my books, the entire set of encyclopedias, and takes it upon himself. And yours. The sins of everybody, the whole world. His death is enough for all sin. That is incredible. Jesus died for all of our sins. If he didn't die, we are stuck in our sin and face God on our own. If he didn't rise, he can't be very powerful. He can't be God. He can't be truly God, and only God can deal with our sin. Jesus' death works to pay for our sin because God takes our sin upon himself and deals with it. That's the great scandal of Christianity. For no reason other than God's love for us, he takes our punishment upon himself. Praise God. And praise God that Jesus has risen because it doesn't work otherwise. If Jesus doesn't rise, sin's not forgiven. Verse 18 is even worse. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If Jesus doesn't rise, every Christian that ever lived is now dead and gone forever. Meaningless. Lives are gone. What fools. Indeed, Paul goes on, verse 19, if we've put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone else. It should be a great pity party. Feel sorry for us Christians, what fools we are if the risen Jesus is a lie. Without the resurrection, there is no life. Which makes verse 20 so important, doesn't it? But now Christ has been risen from the dead. The resurrection is necessary so that we can come to God. Praise God for the resurrection. Uh, number four, the resurrection matters for eternity. The resurrection matters for eternity. Verse 20 goes on, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Uh, you can picture the resurrection as the beginning of a new age, a whole change in all of history. And Jesus marks that. He is the first fruits. We all know the first fruits of the summer season, cherries. You know that? Cherries, the box of cherries, the $100,000 box of cherries. They look disgusting when they show it on TV. It's like, they're not even ripe. Someone's going to pay $100,000 for these unripe cherries. But anyway, they do. But what it signals is the cherry season. It signals Christmas Day, juicy cherries, delicious cherries, a new age, a new season. Jesus is so much more. He is the first fruits of eternal life. When we see his resurrection, it signals our resurrection in him, when we trust in him. Follow the argument in verse 21. Uh, Paul writes there, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. It's talking about two humanities, if you like. 
There's the Adam and Eve humanity that we're all born into, we're all a part of, but we know how that story began. Adam and Eve, they fell. They sinned against God, they turned from him, and so the fall. And so the story of the entire Bible and the need for reconciliation. But we don't stay in Adam and Eve humanity. In Christ, we have a new humanity, a new hope. We are made new descendants, adopted in to Jesus' family. In Jesus' resurrection, we are guaranteed this new humanity, this new life, if we trust him. The older I get, the more and more I appreciate this, I think. I feel like the older I get, the more I feel like a used car. You know, used cars, we've all owned used cars, right? You might have owned it pretty new, everything worked. The longer you hold a car, the more little things come up. And you only know when someone borrows your car, what's wrong with it, because you learn to work around it. Like, you know that your door doesn't close properly unless you give it that little extra lift tweak as you put it in. Yeah, it shuts fine, no problem. Uh, You know the windscreen wipers only work if you double tap, not single tap on them. You know when you put it in gear, nothing happens. You just got to park it again, then put it in gear again. You know the seatbelt, you got to put it on. It it won't go, but if you go out and around, boom. (laughs) That's what our bodies are like, right? People look at us as you get older and they look at your body and you're like, gee, you're working around that sore knee, aren't you? You limp along there and your shoulder and everything falls apart. We're like used cars. We get used to it being a used car and we can kind of keep thinking, oh, it's all right, we can make a goal, this will be fine. But actually, we need a new body. Actually, we need to be made anew. Actually, this body's not going to last beyond 100 years or so. And that's the great news of the resurrection. The new humanity gets a new body. Jesus is the prototype. He's the Model T. We all get to be made into a new body based on his prototype. And his body was pretty awesome. We won't dwell on this much today, but Jesus could walk through walls in his new body, his resurrected body. That's awesome. I want to do that. One day in my new body. Jesus could eat. He could be touched. He could be known, but he could hold back his identity. These are curious things, but this body is a prototype for the new body. And we will all be bodily resurrected. It won't be the same body, but it will be connected to our same body. Mick will still be Mick, which is a good thing. We love Mick. We want to recognize Mick. We want to know Mick in eternal life. We'll still be ourselves, and yet we'll have the perfect body for eternal life. No reaching out and around with the seatbelt trying to prop up the body into eternity. No. We'll have the perfect body. And the resurrection guarantees that. Praise God for the resurrection. Finally, number five today, the fifth point, the resurrection doesn't just matter for eternity, far off. It matters for today. It matters for today. Without the resurrection, there's one way to live. It's the Aussie way. It's the simple way. It's verse 32. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's the way you live, right? If there's no resurrection, that's right. Party it up, because what else have you got? Live it up. If Jesus did not die for our sins and rise again, the resurrection is false, the Christians are lying, might as well eat, drink and be merry. But verse 34 tells us there's a new way. In fact, somewhat of a little rebuke to the Corinthian Christians, come to your senses and stop sinning, for some people are ignorant about God. Now we'd have to unpack this, it'll take a while to unpack this verse, I'm just going to do it very briefly today. 
But in Corinth, there are lots of people that say, I know Jesus, but their lives don't match up. If you work through the Corinthian letter, you'll see all sorts of examples of that. There's an ignorance that knowing Jesus means living a new life, actually living a changed and new life. But they're not the only kind of ignorant people. There are others who don't even yet know who Jesus is, what he's done, that the resurrection is a thing. There's all sorts of ignorance, and I want to pick it up at that angle. See, Easter opens our eyes to understand the cross, why Jesus dies, and the resurrection, and our hope that we have for eternal life. And it doesn't just make a difference for the end. It should make a difference for the now, to help us to stop sinning. So if you know who Jesus is and you know sinning is rebelling against God, we want to stop sinning. You know, walk in line with God and the way he wants us to live. I hope if you're a Christian who knows you're deliberately sinning, you want to come to your senses. <laughs> Now's the moment. Stop, come to your senses, trust in Jesus once more, and he forgives you. The resurrection matters even for today because it reminds us we've got something to live for. We've got a reason to live a radically different life. We've got a hope that makes this moment bearable and worth living. The resurrection really matters. It's not a quaint Easter tradition. We don't just say, he's risen, he's risen indeed. Isn't that nice? We mean it. It's true. The resurrection changes everything. And it demands us to live a changed life too. I pray that most people here watching at home, over in the church, already know these things. And what I've done today is remind you, pointed you back to God's word and reminded you of these truths so that you hold them close. You praise God for them. You rejoice in Easter Sunday. That's what we should do if we know the Lord. Keep holding the truths close and living a new life for him. But there may be others amongst us for whom, well, this is the first time you've really thought about that. Wow, that guy at the front really takes resurrection seriously. That's weird. If that's you, I want to help, I want to encourage you, keep thinking about it. Uh, come back. Next week, we'll continue to think about the resurrected life and the victory of the cross and, and all of these things. Come back and keep thinking about it. Uh, join us for one of our courses where we think right through what Jesus' life achieved as it led up to the cross and then his resurrected, resurrection. Don't give up at this point. Don't say, well, unless I see it, I won't believe it. Come with us on this journey. And there may even be some people today that go, actually, you know what? I've heard the gospel and I do believe it. And if there are any here today, I want to say to you, don't wait to repent. What I mean by that is don't wait to say to God, I'm sorry. Sorry for my sin. I really am. And thank you, God, that in Jesus I'm forgiven. And please, God, help me to live with you as my king. Don't wait. Because imagine if you became a Christian on Easter Sunday. That's great. Every year you can say, he's risen. And you, that was when I began my new life in Christ. Praise God for that. Uh, I'm going to finish by praying a prayer in line with that. If you're already a Christian, say a hearty amen, because this is what you believe. If you're thinking about it, well, don't, you don't need to say amen. You can just listen. But if you've become a Christian, Say a hearty amen, then go and tell Mick afterwards that you've become a Christian. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the resurrection. We praise you for the way that it has overturned all of history, all of experience, what we know of life. 
We praise you that it means everything for us who believe. We thank you for the new life available to all who trust in you. And so, Lord, we say sorry to you for our sin. We say thank you to you for dying on the cross for us and taking that sin away. And we say, please, Lord, help us to live from this day forward with you as our Lord and our Saviour. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.